Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. To learn more about the church, feel free to drop by fredericksdachurch.org. Robert Quintana shares the final part of his series, Decisions, Decisions, and explains how you can make wise choices in life and that it comes down to putting all of our trust in Jesus. I believe I have shared this story um, with you before um, of a good friend of mine and, uh, in Philadelphia when I was growing up in grade school. And I just want to share it with you once again just to kind of set the stage to help us here once again understand the importance of making the right decisions in life. And this good friend of mine was out with his friends like any other night. And on this particular night, however, there were drugs being passed around in the party. And uh, he decided, hey, why not? Just one time. I mean, everyone else is doing it, right? No big deal. And so he went along with everyone else that night. And unfortunately for him, he had a horrible horrible reaction to the drugs that he took there. Later it was found out that the drugs were laced with some kind of poison or or some kind of, it it was a bad drug. You hear them say that, but you know, what drug isn't bad, you know? But it was a bad drug supposedly. And unfortunately for him, this devastated him. It it, uh, disabled him mentally He couldn't think straight. He couldn't put sentences together. He couldn't carry on a conversation from that moment on. He wasn't able to go to college. And it was a few years after that that he lost his life. And all as a result of that one night and that one poor decision that he made. Now fortunately for us, we make poor decisions all the time, right? But it's not that drastic. The outcome isn't that bad. And thankfully, we praise God today that he gives us the opportunity, most of us, to rectify or to redeem or to restore or to correct things and make things right. And sometimes the decisions that we make in life, well, we might not see the effects of those to, you know, a year or two or three years down the road. But the truth still remains that it is important for us to make the right decisions whenever we have an opportunity to do so. And we started this sermon series by saying that if you want to make the right decisions in life, if you want to make the right decisions in life, then you need to know what the will of God is. You need to know what God wants for your life. Because in knowing the will of God, in knowing what God wants for your life, you are then able to make the right decisions. And so we started this whole sermon series out by saying, if you want to know the will of God, guess what? You got to get to know God. If you want to know the will of God in your life, you need to know God. And how do you do that? Well, Bible study, um, Uh, studying the word of God, prayer, surrounding yourselves with good friends, um, coming to church. I mean, these are all ways that we get to get to know God, serving in the community, going out to the Frederick Frederick Mission and and serving, um, to the rescue mission. These are all ways that we can get to know God and get to know the heart of God because in so doing, you will find out what the will of God is and when you know the will of God, you are then able to make the right decisions. We started off by saying 
that we need to know the will of God. And in order to do so, we need to know God. And then we turned the page. We changed gears for, for a second because the first two sermons were kind of conceptual, were kind of ideas that, that, you know, we hear all the times, but oftentimes they're hard to apply to our lives. And then we switched gears where I started to share with you practical ways, real ways that you can start knowing the will of God in your life. And if you remember, the first thing that we talked about was, if you want to know the will of God, you must first set aside your own will. Your will needs to go to the back burner. Your will, you need to set that aside. Your desires, your wants, your pursuits, the things that you want in life, you need to put those things aside because it is only when you approach God with no will of your own, that you are able to receive fully the will of God for your life. Now, the Bible does say to us to come before God with our desires and to share with him our wants. That's not what I'm talking about here because it is important to be honest with God. It is important to go before God and say, God, this is bothering me. This is what's up. I don't understand what's going on. Just like Jesus did, In the Garden of Gethsemane, when he said, I don't know that I can go through with this, or I don't know that I want to go through with this. But what did Jesus do? He put his will aside, and he ended every time by saying, not my will, but your will be done. And so what was most important for Christ was to do the will of God. And that is the same approach that we all must take. The approach that we take is not my will, but your will be done. The second thing that we looked at was the word of God. How important it is for us to spend time in his word. Because probably more than any other place or any other thing we can do, the will of God is here in this book. And we need to spend time in this book. And I've heard all the excuses in the book, right? I've heard them all. That uh, I, I don't understand it or, you know, I, I can't read it clearly or I don't have time to read uh, the Bible. Listen, you want to know the will of God? You want to know the will of God for your life? You want to make the right decisions in life? Then you need to spend time in his word. And listen, find a translation that you like. Find a translation that appeals to you right? Don't get stuck in the, in the King James Version if the King James Version doesn't, doesn't make sense to you. My goal for you is that you get into the Word of God. Get into the Word of God, and as that relationship develops, then yeah, you can move on to a more accurate translation if you'd like. But the point is that we need to spend time in His Word. And listen, to the excuse that people give me about not having time, you know what? we have time to do the things that are important to us, right? I mean, we find time to do the things that are important to us, right? It's very easy for us to find two, three hours to watch a movie that we want. It's very easy for us to find, you know, 30, 45 minutes to to spend um, online on Facebook or MySpace. We find the time to do the things that are important to us. And all I'm asking for you is to make the Word of God 
that much more important in your life so that you will and can make time to spend in the Word of God so that you can find out what the will of God is for your life. We talked about friends. We talked about how it's important for us to surround ourselves with good friends, with good people, godly people. And to the young people here especially, it is so critical that you at this age surround yourself with godly friends. It is so important for you to surround yourself with godly friends because whether you like to admit it or not, the people in your life or the people around you will affect the decisions that you make. I used to tell my youth group this, that within all of us, is a desire to be accepted. Within all of us, there is a desire to belong. That's okay. You see, because that's the way God created us. God created us to thrive in community, right? And so there is this this sense, there is this desire to want to belong. And so the people that you surround yourself with, you will slowly but surely start to dress like them, start to act like them, start to talk like them, start to think like them. And that is why it is so important for us to surround ourselves with godly people, with godly friends, because in so doing, we will continue to be more and more in the presence of God and be able to understand what his will is for us. We then talked about prayer. We looked at the life of Moses when he was being called to go back to Egypt. I don't know if if some of you remember this, but we talked about prayer how it was in the desert, in the quiet place, that Moses was able to hear the will of God for his life. And so I encouraged us, I encouraged you that it's important for us to spend that quiet time with God, to turn off the TV, the internet, the cell phones, to just shut it all out and just find that quiet place and spend that quiet place with God where you can commune with him. We talked about feelings, the importance of feelings, and how sometimes we can't always trust on our feelings when we're making decisions. Do you remember that passage that we read, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked? Who can know it? And that's why it's important that we, that we check our feelings and we ask ourselves, where is this feeling that I'm having originating from? Is it originating from a dark place or is it originating from God? Where, where is this feeling? Is it guilt that Satan is putting on me? Or is it a conviction that the Holy Spirit is placing on my life along with hope? Remember we talked about that. That the Holy Spirit will convict you but always give you the hope and the power that you need to overcome whatever it is that you're being convicted of. So we talked about feelings and the importance of checking our feelings. And then we talked about providence. The importance of providence in your life. Understanding that God has a purpose for your life. That God has a way for your life. And that if you were to look And see where has God led you so far. That may help in determining where or what or how you need to decide with whatever it is that you have before you. So providence. Today we're going to look at the actual decision making. Once you get to that point where you have to make the decision. Now I want to remind you of this little book entitled How to Know God's Will in Your Life by Morris Venden. 
jot this down, how to know God's will in your life by Morris Venden. Now, a lot of this series is based on this book. And so if you want to go back over some of these points that we've talked about, you can go to this book and you'll be able to read a little bit more in detail. Now, there is an eighth step that we're not going to talk about. In fact, it's the last chapter of this book. And I'm not even going to tell you what it is. You know why? Because I want you to go get the book. All right? And so today, we've done six. Today, we're going to do seven. The eighth one you can find in this little book right here. How to Know God's Will in Your Life by Morris Fenden. But today, we're going to look at the actual decision-making once we get to that point where we have to make the decision. All right? And I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 18, starting with verse 21. Let's actually pick up the story in verse 17, just to give you guys a little background as to what's going on here. 1 Kings chapter 18, starting with verse 17. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? And he said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed Baal's. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the, all Israel to me, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. All right, so there is a showdown that's brewing. There is a conflict that's arising. And here you have Elijah or you have Ahab coming to Elijah, saying to Elijah, hey, troubler of Israel. And Elijah responds and says, whoa, 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 wait a second. I'm not the one causing trouble here. You're the one that's causing the trouble. Why? Because you are not living up to, or you are not keeping, or you are not obeying the commandments of the Lord. And so, In verse 21, it says, And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? And now this is very telling. He says, If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Now, I find it so interesting that here Elijah just boils it down and makes it so simple. I mean, don't you wish that every decision we had to make in life was that simple? You know, and unfortunately, it's not sometimes, you know. Sometimes we're, you know, deciding whether or not we need to move, whether we need to stay. Do we buy? Do we sell? What college do I go to? What do I want to do? What classes? Is this Mr. Wright or is this, uh, you know, Mrs. Mrs. Wright? And, and, and life, a lot of times, is, is a bit confusing, right? And, and so we're faced with all of these decisions that we're having to make. But I don't want you to miss the point that Elijah is trying to make. Because he boils it down and it is so simple. And he says, listen, if, if God is God, then follow him. And if Baal is God, then follow him. 
And he boils the decision down to two things. Either one, you obey God and follow God. Or secondly, you don't obey God and what you're doing is following Baal, which here, obviously for us in context today, is you're obeying or you're following the devil. You see, my friends, there's only two decisions that we have. It always will always come down to two, two choices to one decision. And that is, do we want to follow God or do we want to follow the devil? All right. Now, I know that there are some of you out there, especially if you're around the age of 14 to 18 or 20, 22, there's something that happens uh, along that age group that you think to yourself, well, no, I'm not going to follow God and I'm not going to follow the the devil. I'm going to do what I want to do. Have you ever heard that before? Huh? Has anyone ever been there? I'm not going to follow God, but I'm not going to, I just want to do what I want to do. Let me make something very clear this morning. That your choice is not God, Satan, or self. There is no third option. Your option is either God or the devil. All right? Let me explain it this way. When God died on the cross, when Jesus died on the cross to give you the freedom to choose, he was giving you the freedom to choose between two kingdoms. He was giving you the freedom to choose if you want to follow him or if you want to follow the devil. That is your choice. And here's the deal. There are principles that, that make the foundation of God's kingdom. And God's kingdom, based on love, based on service, based on all these things that we talk about, there are principles, okay, that form the foundation for the kingdom of God. And then there are principles that form the foundation of the kingdom of darkness based on self. And whenever you decide or whenever you choose to do something or say something or, or go somewhere, or, or do anything in life, you are choosing, am I going to align myself with the principles that form the foundation for the kingdom of God, or am I going to choose to align myself with the principles that form the kingdom of darkness? That is the choice. That is the choice that we have. It's not as though you are a God yourself. It's not like you can have life aside from God. It's not like you are independent to do whatever you want. The choice here, which Elijah is bringing out, is that your choice is between two kingdoms. It is the kingdom of God and the principles that form his foundation, or your choice is to choose the principles that form the foundation of the kingdom of darkness. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans. I just want to be able to to bring this point home to everyone here today. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6.
Romans chapter 6. And let's start with verse 16. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Romans chapter 6, verse 16 says this. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Do you see how the choice is between two kingdoms and two kingdoms alone? It is between the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness. That is your choice. And so he says here, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are the one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? Now listen, I know that the word slave or slavery has a really bad connotation in today's world, as it should. I mean, because we associate slavery with with really bad and horrible things, things that should have never happened. And so we associate slavery with, with being a really horrible thing. But you need to keep in mind that in Scripture, there's this reference time and time again, how God is the master and we are the slaves. And see, and this is your choice. Whenever you're faced with a decision, whenever you're faced with a choice, the the bottom line comes down to who are you choosing to be a slave to? Do you want to be a slave to God or do you want to be a slave to the devil? That is your choice. Now, if you were to ask me this morning, it would be a no-brainer. I would say, well, obviously... I want to be a slave to God. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because over here in this kingdom, you know what God has said as my master? He said, as my slave, you are heir to everything I have. Everything that I own is yours. You know what God has said to me as my master? He said, I am the good shepherd and I am the one master that would lay his life down for you. That's what this master over here, this is how he treats me. This master over here treats me with love and respect and honor and he lifts me up. And that's why I choose to be a slave to the kingdom of God. Now over here, it's quite the opposite. Over here, you're not going to get that love. You're not going to get that support. In fact, what you're really going to get is true, ugly slavery the way that we know it. Where it is a dictator, it is a slave master, someone who, 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 is, who is telling you what to do and controlling you every step of the way and, and you have no choice and this is the way it has to be. And ultimately, what he wants is your death, is your destruction. But let's make no mistake about it, that the choice that we have is are we going to align ourselves with the kingdom of God? Are we going to become a slave to God who says, if you're my slave, welcome to the family. If you're my slave, you are heir to everything I own. If you're my slave, I will love you and respect you and hold you up. If you're my slave, you will mean the world to me. As opposed to aligning ourselves or wanting to become a slave to the kingdom of darkness. 
He goes on to say in verse 17, But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you opened from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. And so Jesus says, you were a slave. That's right, you were a slave to sin. But I gave you the choice. I was, by my death, through my sacrifice, I gave you the choice to choose to be able to get out of that, 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 that slave, that, to be able to get out of that sin. I've given you the choice now. Now, what will you choose? And like Elijah said, how are you going to choose? If God is God, then follow him. If Baal is God, then why don't you follow him? But as we take the whole of scripture, we realize there's only really one decision that needs to be made. And that is to follow and to obey what God wants for our lives. And so when you're faced with the decision, when you're trying to figure out, man, what, what do I do? Where do I go? How does this all fit in? Along with all these other steps, part of your thinking needs to be, okay, wait, stop. How can I, with this decision that I'm making, how can I align myself with God? How can I become a God? How can I become a a member or how can I become a slave to the kingdom of God? You see, because decision making is so important in our lives, it is critical. Because not only does it affect us, but it affects our family. It affects those closest to us. Sometimes in ways that we will never ever see. We saw it with, with the story that I shared in the, in the opening here about my good friend who made a, a, a silly choice. He was, you know, oh, so what? Everybody else is doing it. And as a result of it, it affected him for years to come. And as a result of it, his family is still experiencing the loss of John. I want to share with you um, a, a, a brief story that I just found out just, just weeks ago, just several weeks ago. My family immigrated here to the United States in 1971 from Cuba. And it was quite an ordeal for them to get out of Cuba. Um, during that time, if you wanted to leave the country, you were considered a traitor. And the government, in order to, to stifle people from wanting to leave the country, they would put them to work. And so my father, because he said that he wanted to come to America, because he wanted to leave the country, he was considered a traitor, they put him to work in the cane fields from sunup to sundown. Now, most people would only last a month, maybe two months. And all that was done to discourage people from saying, I want to leave. I want to go to another place. But my father persisted, and he was there not only one, two, but he was there for three years, only seeing my family maybe once or twice a month, working in the cane fields from sunup to sundown, trying to discourage him from wanting to leave the country. Finally, the government came to him and said, you've been working now for three years. We'll let you go to the United States. However, your oldest son, Albert, my oldest brother, Albert just turned 16. Therefore, he is now of military age. So, you can go with your family. However, Albert needs to stay in Cuba. 
Now, think about that for one second. Think about the decision that my family was forced to make. Do we go to the United States and leave Albert behind? Or do we stay here in this country? And as I've talked to my father when he was alive, I talked to him about this. And as I've talked to my mom about this, it was a really hard decision for them. But as they explained it to me, which makes a lot of sense, they said to me, listen, if we make it to the United States, we have a better chance of bringing Albert to the United States, us being in the United States, as opposed to all of us being in Cuba and all of us trying to make it out together. So they took advantage of the opportunity, thinking that they were going to be able to bring Albert within a year. It wasn't until almost 11 years later, in 1982, when my brother was finally able to come to the United States. I was about seven years old when I met my oldest brother for the very first time. Now, that, you know, well, let, let me back up here. The story that I just found out just a few weeks ago as my mom was, was telling me this story And uh, I said to her, I was like, why haven't you ever told me this before? And she's like, well, I thought you knew. I was like, no, this is unbelievable. This is crazy. This is wild, right? What my parents hadn't told my brother, Albert, was that they had arranged a boat to leave one week after they were to come to the United States. So are you following me here? All right, so, so my parents were to go to the United States, and before they left, they had made arrangements for a boat to leave one week later with my brother Albert on board. So when my family came to the United States, they thought that they were going to see Albert within a couple of weeks. All right? They didn't tell Albert this because they didn't want in any way for the news to get out and the plans to be spoiled. And so they didn't tell Albert, they just made the arrangements with the, with, with the boat and, and the, the, what do you call a boat driver? Not a sailor, but a captain. Thank you. I knew there was a word. <laughs> made arrangements with the captain. And when the time was set, the captain was to go to the house, tell Albert, grab your stuffs. We're going to America. And that was going to be it. Well, guess what? Two days before the boat was to launch, to the United States two days before the boat was to come to America, the brother of the captain decided that his, the brother, the captain that's going to America, isn't going to need all this stuff on the boat. So he goes and he steals all the lines, all the fishing rods, all the life vests. He steals everything from the boat because he's thinking, I'm never going to see this boat again. Right? I'm never going to see my brother again. He's heading to America. We could use it here. The very next day, it was reported to the authorities. And as they started to investigate, they confiscated the boat to do further investigation as to who, what, where, how. Now, the government never found out about the plans of my brother coming to America, but they confiscated the boat so that they can do their investigation. And there went my brother's chance of coming to America. That one decision, that one choice, that that one man made to take everything off the boat affected 
the life of my brother, the life of my family, and I'm not going to go into detail, but even till today, we are still dealing as a family with the effects of my brother having been in Cuba for that long apart from our family. We're still dealing with it. There are issues that still come up every year, things that come up. I'm, I have never been as close to my oldest brother as I have been to the other two that I grew up with. And, and those are things that we're still struggling with because of one decision, because of one poor choice that one man made to steal stuff that didn't belong to him. This is why I want you to understand how important it is for us to make the right decisions in life. And sometimes we're faced with the decision and we think, oh, you know what? It doesn't matter or no one's going to get hurt or this is all about me or this is what I want to do. You know, forget about it. I'm just going to follow through with it. And I'm here to tell you today that the decisions that we make in life do matter and can oftentimes have a huge impact, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of our family, in our inner circle, in the lives of those around us. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but every week of this sermon series, our scripture reading has been Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. And this is what Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says. It says to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. There are two words. There's two words here that jump out to me. The one word, all, which it mentions twice. Trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. It doesn't say trust in the Lord with 50% of your heart. It doesn't say trust in the Lord um, sometimes or most of the time. It says trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. We have a finite mind of understanding things. And, and we serve an infinite God who sees the beginning to end, sees the whole picture. And that is why it's important for us to trust in him and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. How many? It doesn't say most of the time. It doesn't say, you know, think about it. No, it says in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. You want to make wise choices in life? You want to avoid the extra headaches? Listen, life is complicated enough as it is. Life is hard. I admit that. And sometimes things are out of our control. I understand that. But we have this beautiful choice that's been placed before us because of the cross, because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And that beautiful choice is to choose him That beautiful choice is to say, you know what? I am going to give my life over to him. I am going to trust in him. And I am going to stand for him no matter what. So in whatever choice you may be facing today, whatever decision you might need to make, I encourage you to put God first. Put him at the head and say, God, I want to honor you. I want to bring glory to you. I want to do your will. 
Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you, thank you so much for Jesus Christ. And we thank you so much for his sacrifice. We thank you that through him and because of him, we have a choice today. We have a choice to choose you. And God, I just pray that as we continue on this journey with you, as we continue to develop our relationship with you, I pray that you give us wisdom, give us courage and patience, God, to do your will and to obey you as you command us to, as you convict our hearts. Help us to obey you and to listen to you. God, we want to make the right decisions in life. And so, God, we understand here today that the only way we're going to do that is by putting you first. So, God, thank you that you've given us that opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, Frederick's Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. We are a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can feel free to learn more about us at fredericksdachurch.org. For more podcasts, click on Sermon Audio.